8 o'clock. Thanks for joining us. Jim and Kate today from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. It's kind of a free-for-all Friday today. A lot of things to talk about. I'm going to send a shout-out to the Maverick men's basketball team in the semifinals tonight against Cutterford School of Mines. We'll talk with Mike DeGeorge in just a moment. For your local high school basketball team that's playing tonight. A lot of action on 1A, 2A, and 3A. We'll get into, we'll talk more about the proposed changes in high school football leagues. For the morning, coach Cam Ross can't exactly be thrilled with, maybe, I don't know, maybe Cam is excited about, hey, could take on Valor Christian. Maybe he's, maybe he's excited about that. I have to maybe place a call to Cam this morning. Hey, more power to him. <laughs> See what Cam thinks about that. So we'll uh, get back into that in a little bit. We'll have around the NFL as well. Latest in the Broncos and uh, the rest of the NFL. That's coming up a little bit. So text or call us today along with Where in the World is Tyler Franson, 970-242-1340. All right. It's time to talk a little Colorado Mesa men's basketball with Coach Mike DeGeorge. Talking Colorado Mesa men's hoops with Mavs Coach Mike DeGeorge on the team. And with us right now, the Chick-fil-A Breakfast Team phone line. The Maverick men take on the Cover School of Mines tonight here on the team. Mike DeGeorge, good morning, Mike. How are you? Morning, Jim. Doing well. Glad to hear your voice. I know you survived the move here. Uh, it's, uh, it's surviving. It's an ongoing process, Mike. It is. It is. It's, it's getting better. I, I did not realize, though, I, mean, I didn't think about it. Maybe I did in the back of my mind because you get so busy moving stuff and everything that how important internet is, how it's become... Like there was running water, indoor plumbing, a place to sleep, food to eat, and you need to have the internet to do so many things. So, yeah, I've uh, learned the the value, the importance that internet uh, has here in the 21st century for most of us. So, uh, but yeah, it's, you know, a, it's an essential function now. Just like uh, you put it right there with housing and clothing and food. right? Exactly. You wouldn't think that right years ago. It's like, nah, you'd, internet. What do I need that stuff for? Nah, no big deal. Oh well, yeah, we found out we need it for for a lot of things. Well, uh, congratulations on the win against Metro State on Tuesday night. And, uh, man, they've, they've been a, always a thorn in your side, haven't they? And they, they made it tough at times, but you pull away and get the 10-point the victory. I thought uh, your team, you know, when they started to make a little bit of a run, a little bit of, of a push, uh, responded really well to the challenge. The threes that you came up with late, Blaze hit a big three. Christopher Speller hit a big three. I think Trevor hit a three. Trevor Baskin hit a three during that stretch. That really allowed you to pull away and nail down that victory to move on to the semis. Yeah, I, I really felt like it was a great game. I thought that Metro, you know, was really gave their best effort and uh, really played outstanding. And our guys uh, answered the call to that. And and um, you know, as you said, those three threes late were huge. And um, you know, they're just a difficult matchup for us and uh our guys fought hard and we're able to find a way and tyree randall's really good for them but it's certainly i think i was i was impressed the way he played in in the foul trouble that he had and same with 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 blaze as well when he got the four threes how well both of those guys played though they had the obstacle of four fouls on them yeah it was a unique situation for us because blaze really hasn't been in foul trouble and then with isaac jessup out all of a sudden, we were pretty thin in the backcourt there uh, with 10 minutes to go in the game. And so, you know, uh, Owen Koontz and Elijah uh, Knudsen and, and Reese Johnson and Christopher Speller all really stepped up while he was on the bench and kind of uh, helped protect that lead. And and then, you know, Blaze kept telling me to bench, don't worry, coach, I won't foul. I was like, well, let's just give it a minute here. 
and make sure we uh, get it down to kind of the crunch time. So, uh, oh, and he didn't foul, so that was good. That, that was good. He was he was able to yeah. uh, to survive the foul trouble, and guys go on to get the victory against uh, Metro State to move on to the the semifinals. And uh, you know, when you look at the your record against the other teams remaining in this, you've got a three and one record. Which uh, you know, look at, at the end of the day, it's about what happens tonight, tomorrow night. Hopefully, get to the championship game and uh, and win the, the the conference tournament championship. But you've had success against the the other teams left in this field. Yeah, I think anytime you've had success, and, and particularly when you're in these highly competitive environments against such quality teams, you know, I think that's great. Um, I think our guys understand that these are, you know, three great teams and that, you know, there, there's no looking to tomorrow. It's, you know, we, we, we're going to have a, a dogfight uh, for 40 minutes tonight. And if we're fortunate enough to survive that, it'll be the same thing tomorrow. And, you know, there is no favorite. They're just four really good teams that are all going to the NCAA tournament, all nationally ranked. And it's really just you get 40 minutes to try to outperform the other team. On the season with Colorado School of Mines, you split. They won on your floor. They you went into their place and won in their building, Mike. And so, um, you know, it's uh, one of those situations where both teams have had success on the road against the other one. Yeah, the odd thing about it was is that neither game was competitive, and I think both teams were kind of going through the loss. We're going through a little bit of a funk at the time. One team was caught, and the other team wasn't. And you know, both of us been playing well now, and so. You know, we anticipated being just a great game, and and uh, again, we just got to find a way to uh, to really out execute them, and that that's a very difficult thing to do because they're so well coached and so disciplined in how they play. And I think you know one one of the differences is that Adam Thistlewood had 17 against you in that that first game, the one that you, you lost at home, and I think you only had 11 points, I believe, in the the, the second matchup uh, that uh, when you faced them, he was slowed down a little bit by you guys that uh, you were able to, I think, negate his effectiveness in the game. Of course, he had a huge game against Shadron State the other night to get them into the semifinals, but the former CSU Ram is always a, a tough guard, no doubt about that. Yeah, very talented uh, player, you know, and can do a lot of things and can be a difficult matchup. Um, you know, and our matchups probably weren't uh, great the first time. Um, they, their physicality inside causes us some problems, and so... You know, we've handled that a little differently the second time, um, and we'll do that again uh, this time. So I uh, hopefully that helps us. But, you know, whether you're talking about him or Brendan Sullivan, you know, two just elite players, um, and everybody talks that the two-time player of the year, Joel Scott's in the tournament, but Sullivan won it, to, you know, won it before that. So, uh, you know, he's just an elite talent as well, and, and so we'll have our hands full tonight. Mike DeGeorge, coach of the Cutter Mesa men's basketball team with us uh, on the Team Sports Network. And during uh, your tenure, Mike, Mavs have been really good in the RMAC tournament. You won the tournament as a four seed in 2020. Then, of course, you you ran the table to, to win it all uh, uh, from the number one seed in 2021. And so you, you've had success. Why do you feel like that's been the case? Why has it worked out well for you? I mean, obviously, you, you coach the same in the regular season as you do in the postseason. Or do you do something different? and how you approach things from a postseason standpoint? Well, I don't know. It's one of those things that as soon as you think you got something figured out, you get humbled pretty quick. So I don't know <laughs> right. if I got anything figured out. I, but I will say that I, I think that the key to postseason success is, one, is 
Like, you've been able to manage the group in a way that allows them to continue to build and improve throughout the course of the year. And so we really try hard to do that. We don't really want to be playing our best in November. We want, you know, you hear about teams in Division Two that aren't following the rules in September and they're practicing full and they're doing all that stuff. You know, one, we're rural followers, and two, it's, I'm not even sure it's in your best interest. This is a long year. And so we really try to treat the season more like a marathon than a sprint. And so I, sometimes that can be of help. And then part of it is luck. You know, are you healthy? Are, what was your schedule leading up? Are you rested? Um, which you have no control over. And then um, the third piece, I think, is is like you just get that 40 minutes. And, like, if you can just get the guys to stay in the moment and just not be looking ahead, not be thinking about the next thing. We really tried to use last year for this group as an example. You know, going into that weekend tournament when we lost in the semis last year uh, to Regis in overtime, I think most of our guys were thinking, you know, how are we going to get Black Hills tomorrow rather than how are we going to get Regis tonight. And um, and that was a mistake, and it cost us that game. And then when we went to the NCAA tournament, I mean, I was joking with them like, I was so focused on the first game, I didn't even remember to bring pants on the trip. So, you know, I showed up for a three-game tournament with no pants to wear at the game. So, you know, we were just so focused on just getting that first one that I think that, you know, that really helped us have success in the postseason. So, and I think this year at DZ, I think all four teams are going to realize that there's no looking beyond what's right in front of you because the team you're playing is so talented. Well, I'm sure that while you'll be focused tonight, you will remember to wear pants or bring pants, right? Yeah, well, I'm at home. So, so like, yeah, yeah, you're, you're okay. Yeah. I walk out the house with a pants on, and I do have <laughs> pants ready. So I, I think good. your wife so, might say, hey, Mike. So when, um, when Lubbock, Texas, you yeah. know, I was heading to the department store <laughs> about three hours before the game when I realized I didn't bring any dress pants with me for the game. Yeah, I, I think your wife might say, hey, Mike, you, you might have forgot something. I know you're focused on the game tonight, but you might want to take care of that one miss. Uh, Missing piece of clothing uh, before you walk out the door to go coach tonight. Mike DeGeorge, Maverick men's basketball coach with us uh, on the Team Sports Network. I want to talk about some of the 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 big moments, milestones, and also awards for your basketball team, Mike, that, that happened this week. Uh, Trevor Baskin reaching the 1,000-point uh, mark in his career. Um, incredible, uh, incredible play. The underneath the backboard, uh, the kid from Metro State had him defended really well, but an incredible twisting layup for uh, for uh, Trevor to get that uh, thousandth point. Uh, an incredible play. Of course, joins his uh, father John, who's the all-time leading scorer in Maverick history. Joins Blaze Three, who did it earlier this season. But uh, uh, a great accomplishment, a great moment for uh, for Trevor Baskin in that one against Metro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Trevor. You know, it's just a tremendous player and even better person, and he's so much fun to be around every day. And so, you know, we're thrilled to have him here and, and see him having success. And, and you know, he's worked incredibly hard to continue to improve, and and we're really excited not only about what he's done but what he's going to do in the future. And so, um, you know, it's a great family, and, um, you know, we're thrilled with everything. Uh, their commitment to CMU and, and having him here has been great. And then congratulations to you, RMAC Coach of the Year. Uh, Well-deserved, Mike, on on the job you've done this season. I know there's still lots of important work to be done, but congratulations on receiving that honor. Well, I appreciate it. I kind of feel like Coach of the Year is a dumb award. I mean, the team, the coaching is all about helping your team succeed. And so, you know, like the teams that win are the, they're the best coaches that year because whatever for whatever reason they've been able to put uh, the best teams together. And so – 
um, you know, the thing that matters to all coaches is that their teams succeed. And uh, there's not a coach on the planet that wouldn't trade like a win tonight for a coach of the year award. So, you know, we, we, it's, it's really uh, a byproduct of the teams and the players' success. And, of course, some individual uh, awards as well for both uh, Trevor Baskin, Blaze Three, making uh, all Armac first team. Congratulations to those two. Yeah, it's great. And, you know, Blaze, I would, <laughs> you know, I think Blaze and Akil Cotton, Joel Scott are all not only, you know, player of the year kind of candidates, but they're also should be all Americans. I mean, all three of them have but just had incredible years um, and really deserve to be recognized nationally for their play. And, and so it's it's really a unique year to have three players that have had that kind of a, a year. And then we obviously talked about, you know, the great year that Trevor's having as well and certainly deserving of his back-to-back first-team all-conference performances. And then one leave out, Isaac Jessup, uh, honorable mention as well, had, his, had a, a really, really strong season for your basketball team. Yeah, Isaac had an incredible uh, year, and, you know, we're hoping there's a chance he could be back. Um, so we'll see his hands getting better by the day, and so there's a chance maybe next week uh, he can give it a go. And he's been an incredibly important part. And, you know, really, when we kind of turned the corner, it was a big part of that was the, his his role and, and kind of just emerging as as that key perimeter defender and knockdown shooter. I mean, he's only averaging like eight points a game, but he's doing it on like on five shots, which is incredible. One, that a guy can shoot that high a percentage on that few of shots over a 40-minute game particularly when you're expending the energy and toughness that he does at the defensive end. So, you know, he honestly was deserving of a first or second team all-conference bid. And then, obviously, Mac Renneker was the guy that I was most pleased with. Uh, I've been trying to get uh, him defensive player of the year for three years now, and so it was great to see him honored and recognized, not only for that, but making second team all-conference again. He's averaging about seven and a half points a game. And it just shows how much he impacts the game that the coaches felt that he deserved all-conference. Usually, all-conference is decided by who averages the most points. So it's great to see him get get those recognized as well. Yeah, I was going to save your spirit animal for last, Matt Grinnaker, that uh, (laughs) defensive player of the year, love the conference and steals. Like when I was doing the game the other night, he just impacts the game in so many different ways. And he's a a 6'5 guard that usually ends up guarding post players and he just gives them the fits. He's just so athletic. He's just tenacious. And, and yeah, he well-deserved the part of Mac Renneker, uh, named the RMAC Defensive Player of the Year for uh, the work that he's done on that end of the floor for you. Hey, Mike, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Good luck tonight when you take on Mines, and uh, let's hope uh, for a championship game appearance tomorrow night over Brownson Arena. The place will be rocking tonight and hopefully tomorrow night as well. I uh, appreciate it, Jim. Thanks. Thank you. Take care. That's... Mike DeGeorge, coach of the Maverick men's basketball team, will have it tonight for a game at uh, 445. Tip-off at 5 o'clock, Maverick men against the Calvary School of Mines. And I would love to see in the future Mac Rineker in like the NBA slam dunk contest because when he dunks the basketball, it's one of my favorite things of all time. Yeah, It's like art in motion. He's had a tremendous season. Yes. And uh, likewise for Trevor Baskin, Blaze 3, uh, as well, and Isaac Jessup, and said we weren't sure what the status of Isaac Jessup was. I was like, maybe, possibly, he might be able to come back and play in the near future. All right, uh, this hour of the Jim Davis Show brought to you by Preston Lee at Country Financial, believes in building relationships, supporting the community, and serving others. Have a chat and let him help you protect the things that are important to you. Google him at Preston Lee Country Financial. All right, time to take a quick trip around the NFL.
Possible ads. Try that again. Let's take a trip. Take two. Around the NFL. The latest on the Broncos and the league. It's around the NFL on the Jim Davis Show. All right. So this morning on Around the NFL, as far as the Broncos go, deciding on free agents, deciding on who among those free agents might be coming back. Dalton Reisner's name certainly is probably the one that, you know, Draymond Jones looks like, you know, decent chance they could franchise tag him. Right. That's a possibility. He's the number one priority. For sure. And then there's Dalton Reisner. It's kind of in this weird, not no man's land, but just sort of, we're not really quite sure where one, leaning one way or the other. There was a time that it would have been a no-brainer, right? For Dalton Reisner, second-round pick. Colorado kid. From Wiggins, Colorado, that the Broncos would bring him back, that there would be little doubt about that. Well, Reisner, he went on one of the Denver radio programs a while back and was kind of surprised that Denver hadn't tried to get a long-term deal done with him. And so the the feeling is is that, that Dalton Reisner has taken some steps backward. And so why should the Broncos bring him back? You know, for the most part, I hate to be blunt about this, he's been just fairly average. And probably his strongest suit as a Broncos offensive lineman is he's been able to stay healthy for the most part. Right. He's had the most offensive line starts of any Bronco over the past four seasons with 62. He's never failed to start less than 15 games in a season. And so... To stay in Denver, would Reisner give the Broncos maybe a discount? Possibly. He didn't right. seem he didn't seem very happy when he was on the the radio program. I caught that interview. He didn't seem very happy about the the Broncos hadn't made an offer yet to try to keep him on the team. And so, my question about it is: Is he of the mindset? Is he willing to give the Broncos a discount? Because I think I got the feeling he felt a little slighted, a little hurt. He's like, my childhood team, I love this team. Right. I want to stay here, but it doesn't seem like the Broncos are that interested. I'd be curious to know, though, how much of the supposed regression was just who was on the coaching staff this year. You know what I mean? Like, because, you know, you're, you're a pro football player. Generally speaking, you should be. Not necessarily above coaching, but it it shouldn't. Not that it shouldn't matter, but if you're playing at a pro level, generally you've you know you've done enough to where it shouldn't be a huge detriment if you change coaches, position coaches, year to year. But as we've heard before, Ben Steele took over the Broncos. Offensive line coach whose name is slipping my mind. Butch Berry. Butch Berry. There were talks that Butch Berry just didn't know what he was doing half the time, or or seemed sort of clueless. And I have to ask the question: How much of Dalton Reisner, and for that matter, the entire offensive line's regression was Butch Berry's fault? And you look at the pro football focus grades for other free agent guards that are going to be on the market. Reisner's numbers are right there with most of them. There are some that, like Nate Davis, that has a higher grade. But for the most part, most of the guys, he's, he he grades out close to the other free agent guards that are going to be available 
this off season. Mm-hmm. And so it gets down to money, right? If oh, yeah. if he's not willing to give the Broncos a, a discounted deal, then maybe they look at a a cheaper free agent guard to come in and replace him. And it looks like it's going to come down to that. How much money is he going to expect after some, well, on the field, there, present, starting, that's, that's really good, but not exactly real productive. And we talked about the, with the piece yesterday with Sean Payton when he took over the Saints, how he totally blew the offensive line up. Yeah. And Cody Rourke, My Life Sports Radio, with, with, with you guys on Wednesday, he said he thinks Calvin Anderson's going to be the only surviving guy, and he'll be a guard. And that the rest of this offensive line could very well be gone. So, unless Reisner's really willing to cut the Broncos a deal, I don't think he'll be in a Broncos uniform in 2023. Ladies from the Combine, Bryce Young, who is expected to be one of the top players taken, the Alabama quarterback, that uh, one of the concerns has been about his size. That Alabama listed Young at six foot, but like most rosters, that's a little, little bit of a stretch. It's a little bit Literally. of an embellishment, a little bit of padding, that he actually is around 5'10 and a half. But then again, quarterback height, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson... We- Kyler Murray. It seems like we have this conversation, not every year, but every few years at least, where somebody with clearly all of the necessary skills, you know, arm strength, mobility, whatever, you know, you're like you said, you're Russell Wilson's, you're Drew Brees's of the world, you know, Kyler Murray's of the world, all of that skill set, but there's we keep getting hung up on this height thing. When are we going to sort of just accept that maybe you don't always have to be 6'4 or taller to be an NFL starting quarterback? But I think for a lot of scouts, it's the height is not as much the issue as it used to be. It's it's his height and what he weighs. You know, he weighs 194 pounds, and he's trying to bulk up. He was trying to get up to 205 during the, the pre-draft process, and so... He's expected to weigh around 200 pounds because Kyler Murray's 207, Drew Brees was 209, Russ is around 206. And so the the height with the combination of the weight, question whether or not his durability is there. So that is one area. He can't make himself taller, but he can make himself heavier. And he has tried to address that. And when you look at the numbers, he went 23 and four as a starter at Alabama, 8,356 passing yards, 80 touchdowns, only 12 interceptions. The skill set is there for Bryce Young. Little doubt about that. All right. So, one final thing before we move on here we have the XFL. We have to give you your XFL update, right? You got to. Got to give you the, the weekly XFL schedule of what's going on. What do we got? So, this is coming up tomorrow, by the way. On FX, you have the Seattle Sea Dragons at the Vegas Vipers. We'll see if more than 20 people show up to Cashman Field to watch the Vegas Vipers on Saturday. It's uh, 5 o'clock our time, by the way, for that one. And so that's your Saturday game. And then on Sunday, got a couple of games. Actually, uh, three games on Sunday. You got the uh, A.J. McCarron, who's becoming... 
an XFL legend <laughs> and the Seattle Battlehawks, or St. Louis Battlehawks, excuse me, at the D.C. Defenders. And that's on FX. And that's uh, noon on Sunday. Make that 11 o'clock on, on Sunday for that one. And then that'll be followed by on FX, the Orlando Guardians at the Arlington Renegades. Two o'clock start for that one. And then to wrap up your week three triple header of XFL action, the San Antonio Brahmas at Wade Phillips and the Houston Roughnecks. And that is a uh, six o'clock start for that one on ESPN. So uh, there's your XFL action for the weekend. All right, 825, Jackson Wilson, River City Sportplex will join us in a moment. But it's time to play. Where in the world is Tyler Franzen? Oh dear, you caught me off. I'm guard. sorry. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. We can we can do this. All right. Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Where the hell is he? Well, I can't find him. He's not hide I will find you. Chance to win beer today. Brewskis from Fat Tire High Country Beverage, and uh, some beer today from our good friends and. Must be 21 or over, and if you've won the last two weeks, please sit it out. For where in the world is Tyler Franson today? I think this is an easy one. Eureka! We are at another spring training venue where 10,500 diehard fans are shocked at the new pitch clock. Pitchers were caught off guard by the new addition. Some would even say startled. But as the weeks go by, the shock and awe started to wane. Only time will tell if the new rules flabbergast Major League Baseball. Happy spring training. Where in the world is Tyler Franson? All right, first correct answer. Send that to us on the Chick-fil-A breakfast team phone line, 970-242-1340. Must be 21 or older. And if you've won the last two weeks, please don't play the game. We'll take a break. We'll come back with more on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. Who do I listen to? The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader. Whoever suggested that has got to be smoking crack and plenty of it. The team. Welcome back. Jim along with Cake today from the Bozart Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. With us right now, Jackson Wilson, River City Sportplex. Jackson, I missed last week you weren't here. This week you're not here. What's I'm, I'm missing you, man. What's going on? I know, man. It's into the hockey season. We got all these uh, youth tournaments and traveling dates and stuff. So I know, man. I'm it's... down here in Denver doing the uh, Colorado Amateur Hockey Association. They call it the Caja Cup. So uh, our groups are down here playing uh, a majority of the Colorado youth uh, organizations this weekend and next. All right, so good reason why. Last week it was the weather. I said, eh, I don't want you to have to drive in if the weather's crappy. This time you're, you're on got... the road doing your job, man, and I applaud you for that, sir. I told you, I'd, I'd skate over there if I could, Jim. You I know, know, I just needed a little more ice on the roads. I know. I wish Mother Nature could have cooperated. That would have been great to see you. You know, just, just <laughs> skating in, you know, just skating into the parking lot. That'd be great. That'd Gratefully, be fantastic. nonetheless. Can, can you oh, do I like, just, uh, I, can you do one of those I figure mean, skating moves? Imagine a, yeah, yeah. If you imagine like an 80s uh, roller skater <laughs> kind of skating, but more but in ice skates, you know? Just hammering down the sidewalk. That's me. That'd been Basically. you, man. That would have been great to see. We would have filmed that and put it out there. It would have gone viral. It would have been spectacular on, on the internet to see I, that happen. So Anything to help the Jim Davis show. Well, I, I appreciate that, Jackson. Jackson Wilson, River City Sportplex, calling us from Denver. Uh, give us some more details about about this tournament. I mean, this is a, some really good competition, it sounds like, the, the Riverhawks are facing. 
Yeah, absolutely. So last weekend, um, we wrapped up the Western Colorado Hockey League, uh, WCHL. Um, both of our 10 and under and 12 and under teams actually walked away with a playoff win each. Um, it was a double elimination tournament, and that was a big step uh, in the right direction for our programs. Um, the kids have uh, competitively just been struggling a little bit this year since we're such a new program and have so many new hockey players playing on these teams. So it's been fantastic to have you know success towards the end of the year. So this year, uh, well, this point uh, in time in the hockey season, basically this weekend and next weekend, um, they have a bunch of different divisions, uh, age divisions, competition levels. They take about the top four teams um, and have a state uh, championship world tournament. And then the rest of the teams, which is um, all of our Grand Junction teams currently, they are placed into a massive pool of teams and organizations to, uh, to play in uh, what's called the Caja Cup, which is basically the Carlo Amateur um, end-of-the-season tournament where all these organizations come down to play. So it's great. So we play on um, – I got a game here in a few hours in Lafayette um, with my 10-year-olds, uh, 9- and 10-year-olds, and hopefully we'll do well. Um, against them, and yeah, it'll be it should be a fun weekend. Well, go Riverhawks, man! Help you have a, a great yeah. weekend and play some great hockey over there. Uh, so, I want to ask you about a couple moves the Avalanche made. Uh, they bring back Jack Johnson. They also get Lars Eller from uh, Washington. Eller won a cup back in 2018 with the Ovechkin and the Capitals. But just kind of your, your take on the Avs bringing back Jack Johnson and getting Lars Eller. The Jack Johnson thing's funny, right? Because they they give up uh, England, who is a uh, you know a younger Andreas England's a younger defenseman. You know he couldn't really find a spot in the Abs lineup, you know, and stuff like that. But I, I like to imagine that Chris McFarland and Joe Sackett are sitting around going, you know, wouldn't it be nice to have a guy like Jack Johnson back? You know, and they're just kind of sitting there, sitting there. Hey, why don't we just go ahead and bring back Jack Johnson? <laughs> I mean, so right. you know and. And, and he and it's not like he's the prettiest player, and you know he'll drive you nuts sometimes. Like he'll make a good play, and then he'll turn the puck over, and then he'll have to chip it out or something like that. And you know, but a guy that knows the system, he's a veteran. He just won the cup with them. You know, it was a good fit. You know, and and they're looking to just put a lot of those pieces back together. Um, I like the move. I mean, it's you know, and Jack Johnson, if they scratch him or if he doesn't get any ice time, I don't think you're going to hurt his feelings. I think he's over it. I think he just wants to win uh, another cup. So, you know, good for Jack Johnson. He was super excited to be back. And, you know, if the Avs feel like they can help, um, at this point I've learned to trust in Joe Sackett because it seems like he makes uh, good moves the majority of the time. Um, and then on the flip side, I get Lars Eller, who's a left-handed centerman who's coming from Washington, who, like you mentioned, won that cup in 2018. And he's going to be able to come in, and he's going to really be able to help take face-offs as a lefty. Um, McKinnon's a righty. JT Comfer's a righty. Um, you know, you can have Rantman take some of these draws, but it'll be nice to have a more elite-level face-off man who's left-handed um, to step in and take those draws um, while, uh, you know, uh, other guys are, are kind of hard or or on the fence, and you can throw Lekkinen in there as a lefty to take draws too. But I really like the move. It's a second-round pick. I think it's a 2015 second-round pick they traded for him. Um, you know, obviously he might be a rental, but with that being said, I think that he's really going to be able to provide a good boost and uh, create some of these opportunities that they're missing, like face-off men, uh, penalty kill, and uh, and just some of these other depth part of uh, the hockey game and what they need for their team. Jackson Wilson, River City Sportplex, joining us today from Denver. Trade deadline's 1 o'clock today. Do the Avalanche make another move? Do you think something else big happens here for the Avalanche? 
I don't know what I don't know what your definition of big is, right? Yeah, because all mean, the big guys are gone, or all the big names yeah. are off the are off the table. Yep, no more Patrick Kane. Um, you know, there's it's so funny. You know, I'm a Coyotes fan. It seems like they're just selling the farm at this point. Um, so you know, any, anyone's on the table. You know, Nick Schmaltz, who he's a big name who could possibly get moved from Arizona, but he's very very good player. I don't think they're going to move along from him. And the speculation recently um, has been James Van Riemsdyk. Um, who is a left-handed uh, left winger, and you know he's a player who he's he's starting to become. I think he's in his thirties now. He's a veteran, but he's a great player, and I think he could fit in well to a top uh, three, you know, uh, line role with the Avalanche. But you know, I, I don't know. At this point, I don't think you are going. They're going to go out and grab a major name, but um, you never know. And you know, I can definitely see them still being active to kind of fill in some spots. Um, they still have cap space to work with with Landis Cog's contract now on long term IR. Um, if they do end up wanting to bring Landy back, or if he can make it back um, by the end of the season, they were going to have to whittle down some of their cap space a little. But you know, I, I don't know if he's coming back. Unfortunately. Um, so I, I really hope Landis Scott comes back. Obviously, that would kind of be a waiver wire or trade deadline pickup if he comes back. They haven't had him all year. But, um, you know, anything's possible, Jim. They, they could go out. They could get a big name. They could get a small name. They could do nothing. So, you know, who, who really knows? You mentioned uh, James Van Riemsdyk with Philadelphia. Cap hits about $7 million And he's got nine yeah. goals, 14 assists this season. How they kind of list him in the athletic is old guy without a cup potential. So a guy that could be very highly motivated, you know, getting deep into his career, hasn't won a cup yet, could be maybe a, a, a nice fit from a, at a scoring wing. You know, they with Eller, you know, they they address their center depth with him, and maybe Van Riemsdyk is the the additional piece on the wing. Like I said, not a a, a blockbuster acquisition by any you know shape you know, any way, shape or form, but could be a nice piece that they could potentially add at the deadline today. Yeah, I agree. He is a uh, very wily player. He uh, got a guy that sticks up for his teammates. He's very hard-nosed. He goes in the corner, loves the front of the net. Um, you know, when he was uh, a little younger, now, that, like you said, old guy with no cup kind of deal. Uh, you know, when he was a little younger, he's scoring a bunch of big goals and a lot of talent. And now that, you know, he's, he's a veteran hockey, you know, a little more mileage, but you know, definitely still driven to try and be successful at his craft. So it's it's interesting to see uh, what these guys are doing. And, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, just in the hockey world, like there's there's just guys that, you know, aren't even on the radar that they could move for, you know. So it's um it'll be really interesting to see what uh, what the Avs can do here with the with the remaining hours on the trade deadline. All right, Jackson. Good luck to the Riverhawks this weekend. Always appreciate it, man. Hopefully we'll see you uh, in person next week. Yeah, thanks. Good. Sounds good. Appreciate you. All right. Likewise. Take care. Jackson Wilson, River City Sportplex. See what the Riverhawks can uh, win a few games over there in the front range this oh, weekend. Yeah. All right. Text or call the show, 970-242-1340. Do we have a winner yet for Where in the World is Tyler Franson? Hey, we do. Okay. Very good. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the winner of the contest. It's another winner on the Team Sports Network. Scott correctly answering... Surprise Stadium in Surprise, Arizona. Only guess, too. I was surprised. Nobody else. No pun, no pun intended. Wow. That nobody Pyle. else tried to guess. Wow, Pyle. Well, good for Scott. At least Scott offered up an idea. 
And he offered the, it up right, and we, he got the beer today. Offered up the, the right stadium we're looking for. Got some uh, people texting in about the, the football league thing. We'll, we'll get to that in a moment. Yeah, we will. Uh, this hour, by the way, brought to you by Preston Lee. A country financial believes in building relationships, supporting the community, and serving others. Have a chat and let him help you protect the things that are important to you. Google him at Preston Lee Country Financial. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll, we'll talk more about the... These are proposed once again. They're not... It's not a done deal. And it's not even until 2024. Either, so it wouldn't so. affect this year. So... Keep that in mind when we talk about this. We'll have that for Down Territory coming up next. Text or call us 970-242-1340. The Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. I'm a big sports addict. I like sports. 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 This is the Jim Davis Show on the Team. 101 FM, 1340 AM, Grand Junction. 102.1 FM, Delta Montrose. Welcome back, 843. Jim along with Cake today from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. Appreciated uh, Jared sending us the uh, football, proposed football leagues. We're going to get to that, but I appreciate him uh, at least kind of getting the ball rolling on that. Uh, let's see. We are talking about, are the Rockies going to finish closer to 500? Dick Montfort's prediction or Mark Kisla's prediction of 100 losses? This is from Dylan. Rockies will be terrible as always. The rooftop is very cool at Coors Field. If you watch a game up there, there's a lot of beer consumption, and no one over the age of 30 is up there. So I probably I'll, I'll have to pass on that, Dylan. Uh, go Mavs. Do you guys think the Avs will catch the Dallas Stars for the division lead? They could. I mean, uh, that New Jersey game, I, I, I don't necessarily want to call it a fluke because they played well. They just couldn't quite get over. I mean, well. And they, and they, you know, decided to go ahead and ride it out with Eustace Anand and making his third career start. So they, Jared Bednar wanted to, you know, give Georgie another day off, and he wanted the young guy to know what it's like to have to, you know, deal with some adversity. Kincaid, I don't think, was ready yet, coming from Boston. You know, as far as, they got Dallas this weekend here on the team. Avs at. 34, 20, and 5. Dallas, 33, 16, and 13. Yeah, I, I think there's a chance the Avs. I think, like I said, got one coming up with them this weekend. I think that's in, I think that's in the offing, Dylan. Let's see. From Andy, what's the deal, Cake? Fruta can't compete? Why should we just give Valor the title every year? So, let me be perfectly clear. It's not that I don't think Fruta can compete with Valor Christian. The problem is... It's it's sort of a competition. Like, I would love it if Fruta went up and kicked the you-know-what out of Valor Christian. And, and Junction did that when Sean Rubacaba and, and Chandon Rose. Right. And, you know, th- that group of guys was at, at Grand Junction High School playing for, for Robbie Owens. They did compete when, you know, 5A, you know, they were a, a very competitive program for a you know, two- or three-year stretch there at the, at the state's highest level of high school football. So it has been done on this side of the hill. It has, but, you know, times have changed, and, and, and that Valor program, unfortunately, you know, it's it's kind of taken on a life of its own, particularly with the, the types of funding that they're able to get, the types of players they're able to draw to go to Valor Christian. It's not so much on the field as it's just – 
institutionally. Right. You know what I mean? Well, they, they can recruit. Let's be honest. They can. It's a private school. Is, they can recruit. And they've got yeah. NFL players, kids playing, and former NFL players, kids like Ed McCaffrey, who did coach there briefly, uh, that, you know, that, that go to that school. So I understand what you're trying to say. It's tough when you're working against that. It's tough really for any program, not just Fruit of Monument. And I think the whole idea, if I recall correctly, when there was talks about changing up leagues and you know, and making a 6A was to sort of, I mean, technically you're creating a little bit of a caste system, but you're also kind of, you're separating those schools that, like you said, they can recruit, they've got private institution money. They kind of offer scholarships. They kids, they can pick and choose who goes to their school. You kind of, you weed out those programs who would have, gained a competitive advantage anyway and you you put them in with like your cherry creeks or your your which is a public school but but is also dave logan Logan being there they've obviously they have that as a a huge huge attraction for for players to go to that school and again i would love it if fruta took it upon themselves to beat valor christian on the field and you know what? It'd be great if they did. I weirder things have happened. You never know. Uh, Chavez from Palisade, so it's okay for Fruta to have two thousand students and play four A football. Should Central and Junction get to play three A? Then teams should play in the classification of their enrollment numbers. Riddle me that, Batman. Here I'm going to riddle you this, Chavez from Palisade, <laughs> sir. Thank you for listening this morning. By the way, Palisade could have built the school bigger. They chose not to. Mm-hmm. They wanted to stay small. And so Palisade has tried to, over the years, keep themselves in, in in the spot where they're at. They did play 4A for two years in the the late 90s when uh, Todd Casebeer was there and did and did really well, actually. And that's when they remember the Southwestern League for a couple of years. Uh, playoff year, one year, I think seven wins both years, just missed on the playoffs their second year when Todd was there. That... With the with once again, it's the it's not all about it's not all about enrollment, Chavez. I have to I'll riddle you that, or okay, I'll, I'll 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 fact that for you. It's not all about enrollment size. They've also factored in now Chassa and some of these leagues. Proximity is also supposed to play a role in this as well. It's supposed to. It doesn't always necessarily work out that way. I was going to say because you put Grand Junction in the I twenty five league. I get that it's probably just a name. Well, and, and I got a text about that, by the way. I won't say who texted me about that. The the I-25 league the Grand Junction's in. Essentially, that league has been set up for programs that have struggled. That is the basis of the I-25 league. So like I-25 traffic. Struggling to no, get through. Yeah. With Centaurus, Cheyenne Mountain, Gateway, Grand Junction, Sand Creek, and Thornton. Those are pro- programs that have had challenging seasons and they want to make it more competitive with with programs that have all had had less than stellar records and so that's the the idea behind the i-25 league so just to give you an idea these are proposed by the way not official yet and this is for 2024 2025 that fruto monument will be back in 5a football they have yet to create a 6a football just yet there's been there's been talk about it and it's not come to fruition just yet and so for Fruita Monument, they would be in the South Metro 5A, which is Castleview, Fruita Monument, 
Mountain Vista, Rock Canyon, Thunder Ridge, and Valor Christian. And they'd be the only school in 5A. But Chavez, what I'm, I'm trying to say is this, that, and I said this last, or last hour, that when you don't, when your freshmen and sophomores don't play their, that level of competition on a regular basis, front range schools on a regular basis, right. they, can't, they can't do it. It's one not, thing for Cherry Creek's freshmen to play Thunder Ridge's freshmen. It's not a big deal. It's a crosstown trip. Right. Here it's a four-hour journey to go to the front range. And, and sometimes when our varsity teams go there, the, the JV teams will go and play the JVs over there doesn't happen all the time though there's financial considerations yeah, and travel yeah so in my opinion nobody here should be playing 5a football should fruit should the boundaries be different where fruita doesn't have 2,000 students yeah probably should be and maybe with grand junction being built that that will address that need that boundaries will change certainly there's school of choice though that still plays a, a role in that but that could help move things a little bit more even in terms of numbers not going to happen right away because it's going to be a while before Grand Junction High School, the, the new school's built, but that should help. But in, in the case of Palisade, I just, once again, when when the, the school was built with some of the intention of never being bigger than what it is, right? then they were kind of locked into that and they wanted to stay in there. And so for Fruta, yeah, a lot of people moved out west of town, certainly. Have they brought in some kids that have had interest because the program's been successful? Palisades benefited from that for, for decades of, of great success that's drawn kids to that school. And sometimes taking kids away from Central High School. And so I just don't think anybody, because of the the inability to to play their JVs all the time, should be playing at the highest level. That's That's my thought. And that's what I've heard others say about the the reason why nobody should be playing in 5A. We haven't had great, and typically outside of the junction years with Sean Rubacaba and Jaron Dennis and, and those group of guys, we haven't had great success in 5A football here. Sean, can, can, Cam, can Cam and you know his staff, can it be different? Yeah, I, I think it possibly could be could be a different situation. But, Sean, you're, but you're getting dumped into the same right. league as Valor Christian, which makes it really, really tough. Sean Rubacaba or as... Uh, our former colleague called him. Sean Ubalk. Ubalk. I can't even say his name. I, I saw Sean in here the other day. He was in here doing some stuff for home loan. So in 4A, you know, as far as the local schools go, if you've not heard this, the North 2 is Adam City, Broomfield, Longmont, Riverdale Ridge, Skyline, and Central. As far as we mentioned, the I-25 conference, the Grand Junction will be in, Centara, Cheyenne Mountain, Gateway, uh, Sand Creek and Thornton. Uh, Durango moves up to, to 4A after winning a state championship and having success at the 3A level. They're in the Southern Colorado 2 with Air Academy, uh, Durango, Liberty, Palmer Ridge, Rampart, and Vista Ridge. Montrose, they get the Southern Colorado 1, which is Doherty, Falcon, Mesa Ridge, Pueblo West, and Widefield. It's not a whole lot different than where they've been, playing teams out of the, the the Springs area down south in Pueblo. In 3A, we mentioned the Western Slope, the return of the Western Slope League, not the Central East or what, whatever, whatever they were calling it the last yeah. time out. Palisade in with Battle Mountain, Eagle Valley, Glenwood, Rifle, and Steamboat Springs. Kind of the way it should be for that league. I was going to say, that one makes sense. Mm. 
and Summit leaves that league, which that's fine because of, of, of travel issues in that league. And as far as some of the other leagues go, 2A, uh, see, I'm looking at this. So this is this benefits Delta in a big way. Huge. Because it gets back to where it kind of used to be with Aspen Basalt, Coleridge, the Panthers, Middle Park, and Moffat County in that mix. You have the Intermountain League with Alamosa, Bayfield, Gunnison, Montezuma, Cortez, Pagosa, and Salida in that group. And as far as 1A, the Western Slope 1A, it's Cedar Edge and Grand Valley, Meeker, North Fork, Olathe, and Roaring Fork. It's a pretty good regional league. It makes sense. With, with those schools. And as far as, let's see, looking at, uh, try to see where uh, Olathe is as far as their league goes. Anyway, we'll, we'll talk more about this top of next hour, kind of uh, put a finishing touches on this discussion, but you can text or call us 970-242-1340.